let's be thankful. You guys stand up. Can I have that back screen on, please? That'll be helpful. I come before you today. And there's just one thing that I want to say. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Come on, y'all. With a grateful heart. With a grateful heart. With a song of praise. With an
We're grateful people in this place tonight. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Don DeLozier, love him. I uh, asked him before he went up here not to embarrass us, and then uh, he just asked me coming down, did I embarrass you? I don't think he did. He did a good job, didn't he? Appreciate him, and also appreciate the ministry. So I would encourage you, as you begin to leave tonight, there'll be people stationed at all the doors. I uh, encourage you to put some money with them to invest in that particular ministry. Uh, Kristen and I brought some stuff that we want to give tonight, so we're looking forward to it. Now, I want to invite you this evening to open your Bible to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 46. 49 will be our text. So we're back in the Gospel of Luke. Tonight we'll be back in it again next to Sunday morning as well. But Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. We're going to look at the very last part of the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in Luke's Gospel. Beginning in verse 46, you can stand with me to honor God's Word. The Scripture says, Jesus, obviously speaking, uh, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's bow together. Father, thank you, uh, first of all, for your word. Thank you for how you use it in our lives to bring about a supernatural change. Thank you, Lord, that even as Brother Don's already mentioned, that your word does not return void, that it goes out and always accomplishes what it desires. So even now, God, I pray in Jesus' name that as we give tonight to this Gideon ministry, that you would use these Bibles to reach many people with the good news of Christ. Thank you for men like Don who are remaining faithful to the truths of Scripture, faithful to the call to get the message out. And I pray for that ministry, that it not only would affect change locally, but it would also continue to affect change internationally. And what an awesome testimony of Asher's parents. And God, we're so grateful for how you have used their testimony of faith to reach so many people with the gospel. We pray that you would continue to do that kind of work. And even now, Lord, we would pray tonight as people go into hotel rooms all across America, now many of them searching many of them uh, not knowing exactly what's going on in their life. I pray, Lord, that you would give them an opportunity to stumble upon that Bible, open up the truth of your word, and obey it. And may they be like the man who built his house upon the rock. And Father, I'm going to pray that in Jesus' name. And it's in your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. And you can be seated. Well, Jesus has spent the last 25 verses describing for us what the culture of his kingdom is like. He began first by describing the attitude of those who are in the kingdom of light in verses 20 through 26. Remember, we found together that the attitude of the believer is that they are in a constant need for God. They surrender to God. They hate sin. They remain faithful to God no matter what. They do not experience the kingdom of God in material things. They do not find contentment in a lot of stuff. They find no lasting pleasure in popularity. And then after describing the attitude of a true disciple, 
Jesus moves on to the actions of a true disciple, as noted for us in verses 27 through 45. He states that those who are disciples are to actively favor those who are bullies of their faith. Disciples must display active generosity toward others. We have to stop throwing the boomerang of unrighteous judgment and condemnation. And instead, we need to begin throwing blessings upon those who come against our faith. And also, you will remember that we need to make sure we're not walking down the carnal street. I referred to it previously as Levi Boulevard. That street marked by rejection of people who have fallen into sin, self-righteousness, and pride. Instead, we are to be a people who fervently restore those who have fallen into sin, rest in his righteousness alone, and humbly serve one another. And in short, those who are following Jesus are walking the Jesus lane. So a person whose character and conduct reflect that which Jesus describes give evidence that they are completely different than a world that is far from God. As such, those good works that are accomplished by believers, they shine before men so that they might glorify our Father who is in heaven. Now, what Jesus has called us to think and even called us to do is absolutely impossible apart from the Spirit of God working in us and working through us. That is why throughout the New Testament we are reminded and taught that we are to be led by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, to not grieve the Holy Spirit, nor to quench the Spirit of God who resides within us. And tonight we see together how Jesus closes out his message in Luke's gospel. Now, the conclusion of any speech, any book, or even any sermon is vitally important. This becomes the time frame when the speaker once again nails down his point and often calls for some sort of action. Jesus Christ does just that in this text. So we're going to ask this question tonight. What does Jesus want us to leave with after hearing his message? After listening to his sermon, what does Jesus desire for you and I to leave with? Two major things tonight. First of all, Jesus wants us to leave with this statement. Don't just flap your jaws about Jesus. Look at verse 46 with me again. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, the term Lord means master. It's the same term used to describe the relationship between a slave and his master throughout the New Testament. I suppose culturally, a synonym for us today might be manager or boss. Uh, why are you calling me your manager, but you aren't doing what I tell you to do? And obviously, the principle taught here is greater than even a master over a slave or a manager over an employee. The idea is that Jesus is the complete Lord and King over a person's life. And remember also, the idea of the entire Sermon on the Mount was to express what citizens of the kingdom of heaven really looked like and what they acted like while they lived here on the earth. So with that in mind, we go even deeper in our thoughts with this question from the Lord. Why do you call me king, but do not submit to my authority? You know, it's almost as if Jesus is unable to comprehend how someone would call him Lord, Master, Manager, or King, and yet completely ignore his teachings with their lifestyle. Jesus Christ is not impressed with those who flap their jaws about him. 
Uh, this was true of God as well in the Old Testament. God spoke through Isaiah in chapter 29 saying this, listen closely. God says, these people draw near to me with their words and they honor me with their lip service, but their hearts are far from me. Please remember, God was speaking to the religious people. Uh, he was like, you bring all your songs, all your rituals, and you say the right things, but your heart, the center of who you really are and what you really do in life, that's the part that is far from me. And now Jesus, God in the flesh, wants to make sure that we are not fooled by our own lip service. You might be able to say all the churchy words, you might be able to quote all the verses. You might even know how to say what steps you should take as a true disciple. But where the rubber really meets the road is not what you can spout off from your intellect. The question is, are you actually doing what Jesus said his disciples would do? Now, Luke does not record these statements at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, but Matthew does. And listen to what Matthew records in chapter 7 of his gospel. He says, not, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, if our attitudes and our actions toward God and others does not line up with Jesus' teachings, then it does not matter what we say we believe. Doesn't matter that you teach, it doesn't matter that you preach. Doesn't matter how good your verbal doctrine is, how genius your biblical intellect is, or how effective you have declared Jesus to be Lord of your life. If the teachings of Christ are not bearing fruit in your life and reflecting the person of Jesus Christ to others, then you are simply flapping your jaws. You know, it's interesting. I talked with Randy this week. He's reading a book uh, written by Kyle Eidelman entitled, Not a Fan. The premise of the book is quite simple. It's that there are many people mistakenly thinking that being a fan of Jesus is the same as being a follower of Jesus. However, he makes the point that fans admire the person of Jesus, but there is no devotion to him. They've confused knowledge about Jesus with intimacy with Jesus. He writes, quote, a belief no matter how sincere, if it is not reflected in reality, it isn't a belief, it is a delusion. In other words, if you say you believe in Jesus, but your life does not reflect that belief, then you are confused. In fact, you may be more of a fan of Jesus, but you have not yet begun to actually follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say. So what is Jesus leaving us with? He's saying, don't just flap your jaws about me. And then there's a second reality Jesus is going to leave us with, and that is, he is saying, my disciples submit to my authority. Verse 47 in your Bible, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. 
He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Now, in this text, we see clearly who Jesus is speaking about. Not only those who say they know him as Lord, but also those who submit to him as Lord. And there is a big difference in that as well. Jesus says they not only hear his words, but they also act on them. And the word act speaks of performing a certain action and personally applying the truths of Jesus Christ to your life. James writes, prove yourselves to be doers of the words, not merely hearers who, listen, delude themselves. James also adds, faith without works is dead. That is, intellectual belief void of life change is not genuine faith. Remember what Jesus has taught. My disciples have an attitude that says, I need God, I surrender to God, I hate sin, I desire to remain faithful to God no matter what the cost. Their actions line up with their attitudes as well. They're generous toward others, they do not unrighteously judge others and condemn them. Their heart is to pardon people who do them wrong and restore them with humility. And Jesus is now like, don't call me Lord, and do not do what I say. Instead, if you truly come to me by faith, you will find that these attitudes and these actions will increase in your life more and more. See, as we obey the teachings of Jesus, we not only reflect the kingdom to which we have been placed by God through faith, but we also find that our lives will not falter when the wrath of God comes. Now, contextually, I see Jesus' references to the rain as a picture of God's divine wrath to come. Just as the wrath came in the days of Noah, this idea of a flood would remind Jesus' listeners of the great flood. Although the context of what Jesus is speaking about in this text focuses primarily on the difference between those who are fake and those who are genuine followers, those who are fans and those who are genuine converts. Therefore, those who hear the words of Jesus and obey them so that they have genuinely submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They not only have the intellectual and emotional attachment to Jesus, but they also have the volitional act of the will which submits to the person of Christ. True converts do not merely say Jesus is Lord. Their lives experience Jesus is Lord. They cast their dreams, their desires aside. They have a fear of selfishness and a deep longing to serve other people. Therefore, because they have experienced such life change, they have total confidence to face the day of wrath. The wrath of God will not affect their lives. Now, why is this? It's because they are followers of Christ, and Christ has taken the wrath of God for them on the cross. Listen, coming to church, walking down an aisle, being baptized, even saying a little prayer does not save you. What saves you is a genuine turn from your sin and a genuine commitment surrendering to Jesus Christ. And as you follow Christ, there is a change in your life. And I've been preaching it like this for years. If there is no change in your life, there is no Christ in your life. As you follow Jesus, you continue more and more to reflect his attitude and his character in this particular world. It's interesting. And we, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I want you to sincerely examine yourself, as Paul the Apostle says, to see if you are of the faith. 
Examine yourself to see if you're of the faith. Jesus does not just change what you do on Sunday. Jesus changes your everyday life. He does. And people note the change. So if you're like, nobody can tell I'm a Christian, it might be because you're calling him Lord, but you're not doing what he said. And when the wrath comes, that's the flip side. A person hears, but does not exercise biblical faith, which works. Instead, they give lip service to the Lord, flap their jaws all their lives about Jesus. Jesus says, verse 49, the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. And the idea is that the person is eager to listen to Jesus' teaching, eager to claim Jesus' teaching, but not eager to apply and live out the teachings of Christ. This man is not a true convert to Christ. Therefore, he will be among those who called him Lord but did not know him. As a result, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven, but rather they will face the wrath of God. It's interesting as you begin to follow the life and ministry of Jesus through the New Testament. You will find that when he began to preach and teach that crowds gathered together. Tons of people came to listen to Jesus. But the more he taught, uh, the more people begin to fall away. In fact, Jesus on one occasion said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to eat my flesh, you've got to drink my blood. On that day, he lost a lot of people. Those who follow Jesus Christ are in the minority throughout the Gospels as well as throughout the New Testament. In fact, the scripture teaches us, and I am just going to give you this very quickly, but it teaches us uh, that the kingdom of God is much like a field where the seed is planted and wheat grows up, but then all of a sudden there are tares that grow up among the wheat. Tares are false converts, but they all hang out together. And so on a Sunday morning, it grieves me to think as I preach and even a Sunday night, that I'm not only preaching to wheat, but also there's some tears. And the wild reality is that I do not have the ability to tell them apart. But Jesus looks directly at your heart. And the wild thing is, deep down you actually know. But what often happens is a person will hear a message like this and fight it tooth and nail. He is not talking about me. Don't be so quick, man. True disciples don't just sit around and talk. True disciples submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. A true disciple knows genuine joy and lasting commitment and contentment. Only found in a personal relationship with Jesus. So as we drop down, and man, there's so much flooding my brain right now and so little time, but let me give you this. Jesus is like, hello? <laughs> Did y'all hear the cell phone? God bless you. But uh, Jesus is more or less 
saying this as well, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who basically went fishing. He threw out this large net. He gathered all of these fish in, and then he divided the fish, good fish from bad fish. But also, uh, same thing. The kingdom of heaven goes out, and God in the end pulls everybody together, and then angels of his divine justice actually begin to separate the good fish from the bad fish, those who have genuinely followed Christ and those who have not. Think about those in the category who have not. Scripture says, Jesus speaking, there'll be many who call me Lord, Lord, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. You look at me on that day and say, wait a minute, we preached in your name. Wait a minute, we prophesied in your name. Wait a minute, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus will look to them and say, depart from me, I never knew you, you doer of iniquity. The best testimony of whether or not you're a genuine convert tonight is that Jesus is continually changing you now. So that's the question. Looking at the entirety of Jesus' message, ask yourself, honestly, have you repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus? And if not, do it tonight before it's too late. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts even now.